This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to a Real Man Wood podcast. This is Chris Liss, your host of Rotowire, and I'm joined by my co-host, Yahoo Sports, Dalton Del Don. What's going on, man? How you doing? Doing all right. Uh... Uh, well, how did your fantasy season go? The regular season, you know, with, with, with week 13 ending, how did your regular season go, Liz? Uh, it went well. I, here's the thing. I have, I think, four out of eight teams in the playoffs, and the ones that missed, some of them had good point scores. I didn't really have that many terrible teams. I think my worst team was the Stopa team, but, you know, I mean, I had, I feel like I was six and seven despite losing four, having Fournette and Lev Bell in a 14-team league. So even that one went okay. The only downside is I don't have like any really great teams. My two best teams had Kareem Hunt on them, and they're in the playoffs, but they're kind of crippled a little bit. So I don't have like a great team. I don't have any team that has just everybody good on it. So I've got playoff teams, but they're all kind of underdogs to do well. What about you? Yeah, I had one of the worst seasons I've had in recent memory. We'll see in the playoffs and the in the. I saw the handful of teams did make it, but uh, I play in an embarrassing amount of leagues and definitely one of my worst years in a while, um, including recently just last week in a dynasty league, a fairly decent sized buy-in. I traded for Greg Olson and Emmanuel Sanders, which is, uh, it's a two tight end league and it's funky scoring and obviously Sanders like his schedule downstairs. So anyway, both of them are out for the season within a couple days after trading them. That's pretty funny. The, uh, the Stopa League, I started seven and one. And didn't make the playoffs. Uh, one nice little aspect of that, though, is I just looked up before we started recording. And you owe me $200 for that, though. So at least there's that. Um, I know, but think about how – think about just – you had Gurley and Kamara, and I had Fournette and Bell. And you were yeah. you were 7-6, and six, and I was 6-7. and seven. I mean, that is yeah. an indictment of your character as a person. Every other thing could not have gone more wrong, but yes, for, for, for my team. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's true. I, I did. I did have the foresight to go with the Kamara – girly combo but uh disastrous otherwise myself you you literally had like two of the five best running backs in the game and i had the two worst players to own in any format because they just had to stay on your roster yeah and i literally the bottom of the barrel too and we were a game apart i'm sure you had a lot more points than me and i will pay you the 200 though you owe me 50 from the huevos league and i think i won just about every side bet from like the niners bets to the Burkhead bet to I did lose the the Fournette Camara bet, which is dumb because we already kind of that should have just been included in our leagues, but I did I did make an additional one. You also lost. We we have a couple still going like Julio versus Odell, uh, Big Ben versus Jameis, um, Camara. Yeah, Camara Fournette. You said, but uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think maybe we will win a couple. There was one other one that's like really bad that you made. Oh, the Packers versus the Rams. Who goes farther in the playoffs? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I can pay you that, actually. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I could really pay you the 200 but I, I just think well, I can pay you if you want, but I think why don't we just wait till the end and we'll just Oh, yeah, settle of course. Up. I, just wanted to, oh, I just wanted to point it out, you know. Just to yeah, yeah, no, no, I mean, it course. is what it is. Um, so one other oddity I just wanted to point out, so no one cares about people's own fantasy leagues, but just I'm not sure how you, how you fix this, but in one of my home, in my home league, it's a 14-team league, and the person that finished in last place in that league, which has consequences, it's, it's last draft preference next year, like we have our own KDS system, right. you know, so we have last preference, um, finished with more points than the person who finished in second place, who has a bye this week. I mean, we do have the point system, like whoever finished, the sixth place, the, uh, the last playoff spot is total points, but man, that, that's, just, that's just kind of brutal. Change the rules or you live with it. That's pretty much all you can do. Yeah, pretty much. It's just a head-to-head beast. All right, fair enough. Um, Anyway, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. We'll see. We'll see what happens in week fourteen. And moving on, um, one other, one other thing I want to bring up uh, at the top though is definitely the East Coast offense because I, I really liked your Barkley take. I'm sure people are are, are itching to hear more of your Barkley take. But really, honestly, I, um, I enjoyed the intro to this one, so I'd like you to elaborate here. Yeah, I mean, it's like you know the the crazy thing about the Barkley draft pick is it just set like this whole debate going right there's like all these camps of people like you never draft a running back at two overall then the other camp which is like you take the best player available and it's like this ideological divide almost but i don't really subscribe to that i i when when the draft was happening like back in april i wrote a a blog saying i'm fine with it with them taking him at number two but i wasn't like they should take him at number two i didn't actually follow college football that much but i'm like if he is a generational running back then take him but I, I feel like there's like the, the whole thing spawned like this crazy debate and these sort of ideologies, which become like more and more extreme. And this is what happens with ideologies. Like people are like, not only was that a bad pick, but running backs just don't matter at all. And then it's like, they're so easy to find. But then it takes it even a step farther. Like, well, not only are they easy to find, but it doesn't even matter if your running game is successful. Even if your running game is bad, you can easily win the Super Bowl. Passing is all that matters. Running doesn't even matter, period. Forget about the player. So there's all these crazy extremist views, and uh, I don't I don't think too many people are saying running back is all that matters. But I think the most most people who think uh, Barkley was a good pick think that running back matters somewhat, and especially if they can catch passes. But I I, I divided into two different arguments. Like one is the argument that like the running game doesn't matter at all, and I just think that's false. If you look at if you look at the best teams, they all have good running you know, production from the running back position. Some of them have lower yards per carry. The, you know, the Rams and the uh, Chiefs and the, I think, I uh, can't remember which teams exactly, but there's like four or five of the best teams have really good yards per carry. And then there's like four, like the Saints, and surprisingly the Saints, and a couple others that aren't very good on yards per carry. Patriots are not very good on yards per carry. But they're getting monstrous production out of their uh, passing game from the back from the running back. So obviously those running backs are important to the team because James White is our, you know, he's got like 60 catches and getting nine yards a catch and same with Alvin Kamara and all those guys, you know, the bears have Tariq Cohen who's doing work in the passing game. That's one thing. And then the second part about like, even if you just take away the passing game and what about the running plays, you know, there's, if you, if you, uh, I think Massey Peabody was the first source that kind of put me onto this, but the idea of play success rate rather than yards per carry, which is that you know if it's third and two and you get a three yard run, that's a successful play. If it's third and fourteen, you get a nine yard run. That is not a successful play. And then if you look at a team like the Patriots that runs forty five percent of the time, and the league average is forty three percent of the time. So I mean, 
it's just crazy to think the league is running 43% of the time, almost half, and then the running game doesn't matter, and they're indifferent. They're just wasting plays. Um, I think that especially smart teams like the Patriots who run more than the average, you know, they know what they need to get from those running plays. To get from first and 10 to second and five is good. To get from second and seven to third and two is good. To get from third and two to a first down is good. So you would measure sort of the success rate of each run rather than the net yards per carry. Obviously, if you're at the goal line and you give James Devlin, a, you know, and he gets a two-yard run from the one, you know, I guess it would be a one-yard run from the one, that's successful. It doesn't help your yards per carry average, but it, it's obviously a successful play that gets you a touchdown and not a field goal. And just the idea, and I mean, I don't really have the data on play success rate per team, but the idea that the Patriots would, would spend 45% of their offensive right. plays on something that makes no difference is just stupid. I mean, the idea that Belichick would take it back in the first round, you might disagree, and it's possible that Belichick made a mistake drafting Sony Michelle in the first round, but I was like, Belichick just doesn't get the basic math, dude. The guy's a fucking moron. I mean, do you really think that's plausible? No, I don't, no. I mean, you think you sitting, not you, Dalton Dildon, but one sitting at home with a couple spreadsheets, you get it? Oh, I get it. I get the running back quarterback, you know, what, what, what the league's about these days. Belichick, he doesn't get it. You think that's plausible? Yep. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's crazy. You're right. It's, no, it's, it's truly it's insane. Absurd. Belichick right. is, has won seven Super Bowls as a coach and coordinator. He's been to 10. Do you really think that he doesn't grasp the base? Dude, he doesn't grasp the basic math, man. And he spent a first-round pick on a, on a running back. He yeah. spent a first-round pick, and his team runs more than a half. I mean, some, some of it's because he has a lead, but the Patriots aren't running to, situationally to chew clock. They're running because running is effective. And then, you know, the other point I made is that there was another really dumb take out there that was like, oh, yeah, you know, Melvin Gordon, Kareem Hunt didn't play in Week 13. Chiefs scored 40 in the and the Chargers scored 33. They don't need those guys. And I'm thinking, yeah, but the Raiders scored 33 despite fumbling three times and having a bunch of total scrubs out there. Do you think maybe if Kareem Hunt were out there and getting more first downs and chewing clock and body blows to the defense and wearing them down, that maybe the Chiefs kind of control the entire game? And I think the running back is kind of a defensive player in some ways, that they're, they're hitting... They're hitting the opposing defense with these body blows that tires it out, softens it up, and they're also keeping your defense fresh on the sidelines for, for more and more time. I think the running back is, is – you can't really separate offense and defense. The system of an NFL team has both components to it, and they, and they relate to one another. You, know, you look at the Jaguars' defense. I bet if Bortles didn't turn it over so much, we might be talking about the Jaguars' defense as like a top three unit this right. year. Yeah, no, it's the just, cascade effect, for sure. Yeah, I mean, they're related. And you know, if you looked at the Super Bowl the year that the Patriots came back on the Falcons, the problem was that the Patriots just had the ball the whole second half, and the Falcons were totally destroyed by overtime. Like so, a good defense helping a pitcher. It's like cascade effects you just can't quantify. It, exactly. It, it, you know, it's, or you, you could quantify, but it's not that like simplistic linear thinking. Like, what does the running back do, man? You know, you'll score more points throwing. It makes no sense to run. Yeah, you might score more points throwing. You're also going to have a game with more possessions. So you're just going to have a faster pace of play, and you're, you're going to score more points. The, the pace of play is faster. But you know in the NBA, the team with the slowest pace of play isn't the team with the best defense, right? It's the team with the best defense per possession probably, right? That's a better metric at least. Yeah. Right, and of course, yeah. So, you know, it's just this very simplistic first-order thinking, and 
I don't want to say, well, Belichick's always right because he's Belichick, but, you know, it's reminding me, you know, <clears throat> I don't know if you follow Nassim Taleb on, on Twitter, but he always shits on Nate Silver. He thinks Nate Silver is like a total charlatan, like with his probabilities. I don't really know enough in that world to weigh in on it. I, I tend to trust Taleb over Silver, but whatever. It's just more of an act of faith. I don't have the chops to really go through it, but... Nate Silver has a lot of followers. And so when Tlaib's like, Nate Silver doesn't understand probability, he's blah, 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 blah. These guys who are like weighing in and being like, no, dude, he said it was only an 85% chance or whatever the number was that Trump would win. It's ridiculous. You don't realize that that doesn't mean 100%. And they're lecturing Nassim Taleb about like the most basic aspects of probability as if that's the error that he's making. I'm not saying he's right because I actually don't know. I'm just saying... The, the issue, if he is wrong, is not that he doesn't understand your dumbass high school level right, probability. Right. That's, I promise you that's not the issue. Right. Um, the, other, the other aspect in this specific thing you brought up with the running backs that I really like, and I've been guilty of it myself, is just like when people single out for the outliers, for some reason, this position, it just seems like most people treat differently. Like, say, Philip Lindsay. Well, there, there are players at different positions that come out of nowhere, too, that, that, are, that are studs, which Philip Lindsay clearly is. And then conversely, we tend to remember the bus if they play running back seemingly more so. I mean, I'm guilty of it myself for sure. Like if there was a, a recent, say, a number three overall pick who was barely you know, playing like 30 percent of the snaps and, and not being productive whatsoever, as recent as last year and they were playing running back, people would go nuts about why they wasted a, a number three overall pick on the position. Do you even know who I'm talking about? Well, Trent who went number three in last year's draft. Who went number three in last year's draft, the NFL draft in 2017? Draft. Number three in last year's draft? No, two that yeah, 2017 draft. Let's let me take let me, let's go back. 2017 was yeah. Trubisky got taken second. Miles yeah. Garrett was first. Yeah. yeah. Who who was third? Yeah, Solomon Thomas. And he's like he, he can't even make the play the play for the Niners barely. I mean it's so he's 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 a bust, right? But so if he played the running back position, I guarantee you you would that would have popped up in your head because people would have been talking about it. Right. So, well, Trent Richardson. So, was third, right, was so taken you, third. Right, right. My point is because you remember it because it's the running back position and that pops out to you. And we also tread it otherwise like Philip Lindsay. They're easy. You can pluck them up anywhere. I feel like that's just because it's the running back position. There are other positions that they come out of nowhere, undrafted players too. So I, I really like that point that you made, uh, you, you made. You made more succinctly than I did. But, but, right. Well, so, basically, anyway. it's people say, well, oh, dude, your fantasy draft, you're bothering to take you know, Joe Mixon in the second round. Why would you take Joe Mixon in the second round? Philip Lindsay's available on waivers every year. And you're like, yeah, if I knew exactly who to take there, I probably would just load up on receivers. It'd be easy. My draft would be easy. Yeah. Oh, if I knew Tom Brady were available in the sixth round, why would I ever spend a pick on Carson Wentz? If I knew Antonio Brown were available where he got drafted, why would I spend an early pick on AJ Green? Of course. Of course the guys that, of course. And and it's just like fantasy baseball where – the $1 guys are always going to be more profitable than Mike Trout. If you buy Mike Trout for 45 and he earns 52, he's only a $7 profit. If you buy, you know, some guy who's totally, you know, you get some guy who's totally free like Whit Merrifield a couple of years ago and he makes a $25 profit. He's more profitable than Trout. But the thing is you can't have a whole roster of of 1 to $5 guys. You're going to leave money on the table. Every NFL team has to use a first round pick. You can't just not have a first-round pick and then never have a bust. Yeah, you hope to find a couple gems, but you still got to spend it on a first-round pick. And I, I just think it's insane to think Gurley or Zeke Elliott or Barkley 
oh, those are wasted picks because somebody has Philip Lindsay. That's insane. Those are great picks. Those are picks that panned out. Any and then more. Real, yeah. Any like Pro Bowl superstar level player at any position is a good pick at any point in the draft. Right. Of course he is. And it, and it, and it, like guys who can block and receive, like there, there, it really matters being good at the position as well. By the way, Eli Manning got four point nine YPA against the league's best defense last week, and they still scored thirty and one. So give maybe give your boy uh, Barkley some credit for helping out that disastrous, otherwise disastrous situation. Um, of course, I don't know. It's almost and Odell, as as Odell threw the best. Giving. I know, but I'm just trying to make a point. It's almost as, as dumb as, as, as you're saying. Otherwise, the team's scoring so much that yeah. nullifies the running back position, but. Anyway, so um, I, I liked I liked that 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 take by you, and I and I agreed with it. Um, and running back for sure for sure matters. Uh, do you have any interesting take on Mike McCarthy other than just I mean, good riddance? I mean, that was just so annoying. I on his way out, I mean, he just trolls me. I obviously used and recommended Aaron Jones in that spot. You know, he had ten touches in the first quarter, then five the rest of the way against a defense that allowed the most fantasy points to, to running backs. I mean, what, Jamal Williams had like seven, eight carries for 1.9 yards per carry. I mean, what a joke. Just a joke. And, and then the people, Sunday at Football, Tony Junji and company calling it shocking and stunning. Like, are they, they're saying that with a straight face. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's just maybe it's not even worth getting worked up over, but it seems, it seems all a little, like, obvious to me and, and long overdue, right? Yeah, I mean, we're at a really weird moment in time where – it's yes, really it's really confusing. Like I, I feel like Dungy is probably friends with those guys, the former coaches, the coaches, the broadcasters, probably go on the cocktail circuit together. I was telling Jeff on Monday in our other podcast that like I did this one event with our PR guy we used to have, like in two thousand eight. And uh, I, it was like at the LA Coliseum and like Steve Mariucci was there and I think Warren Sapp, I wanna say, and Andrea Kramer and a bunch of other like kind of celebrity broadcasters and they're all hanging out, you know, and there were a couple players there too and former players. And it's like, that's just one event out of the year. I'm sure they just have a circuit of those events where they're paid like appearance fees and speaking fees and this whole thing. And I'm sure they all know each other. You know, they know most of each other. It's just probably, you know, not that many people doing it. So if, if Dungy's friends with McCarthy or they know each other, they have a lot of mutual friends you know, they can vouch for each other as being like a good guy. And I think the same thing happens in politics. Yeah. You know, president dies and everyone's got to revere him. You can't say one bad word because, oh, you know, it's like it, it, it's, there's, there's something just we're in a weird moment where it's like, oh, you, it's not right to say that about the president, you know, a president that died. or It's not right to. And it's not. Oh, McCarthy got fired. Like what a he's a great man. Like, no, dude, not everybody in your successful clique, in your little circle, is a great person, is a great coach, is a great man. I, I don't, I, but there's this thing where it's like you're supposed to just not be critical. I mean, obviously, we don't give a shit. You know, we don't know any of these people, so it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. But, like, it's very weird. You see it sometimes, too, in fantasy. Like, two fantasy writers will get into some sort of pissing match, and there'll be people weighing in, like, hey, hey, guys, come on, come on, take it easy, calm down. I'm like eating the popcorn, like, dude, have yeah, it out. Sure. It's funny. I don't care if you guys are killing each other. It doesn't bother me. It's not, I don't like, like, oh, like we're, we're all one big community. I mean, come on, really? Seriously? I just don't get it. I kind of, I mean, I, I appreciate the one big community aspect, but I'm fully with you eating my popcorn when I, whenever I come across, across that. So, I mean, yeah, what, does that, that what does that mean we're one big community? What does that even mean? We're not one big community. I, 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 we're just a yeah. bunch of different people 
trying to make these businesses work and offer value with what we what we do. I mean, I uh, you know, know. Like, you know, offering support to each other and all that stuff. I mean, I guess you know, just like just because you write for a competitor doesn't mean you can't retweet them stuff like that. I mean, but no, I, no, no, I, I don't, I don't, I think if somebody writes something good, you should retweet it, but not. Not because you're a good guy, but because like, hey, my followers might want to hear this. This is a smart yeah. thing this guy wrote. Okay. Not because, right. oh, you know what? I haven't retweeted so-and-so in a while. He's a really good guy. He's part of the community. I'll just retweet him once in a while. I'd hate to, I'd hate to not be retweeting him. He's a pretty prominent member of the community. I understand. Well, those are two different things completely. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. so there's no answer. I mean, the McCarthy thing is just done with, and I guess it, I guess it shouldn't be so surprised that, that people in, in their positions yeah. make those comments, I guess, is the takeaway. Well, I'm like you. I'm naive. I'm like, yeah, of course he sucks. Everybody knows this guy's fucking terrible. So then when, like, Dungey and those people are all, like, sucking up to him, you're like, what the fuck is wrong with people? So, like, my, my initial reaction is the same as yours. But then, like, the more I see that like you can't say a bad word if the president dies oh everybody on the political spectrum is like lionizing george hw bush like fine do that if you want but i guess what i'm saying is that to me is also surprising like why wouldn't you these public figures that have major consequences director of the cia do all sorts of things that affect people's lives oh but we can't say a bad word he was the president once you know, it's just this weird thing, and I, I feel like it's a similar. We're just in this weird moment where nobody dares say a bad word against somebody who is like remotely powerful or important at one time. Yep, um, agreed. Uh, before we get to this week's game, do you want to talk Bitcoin before or after? We can talk about it quickly. So, Bitcoin down to thirty-seven twelve <laughs> as I as we do this podcast. It's funny that I say that because I honestly don't care about the price except. Um, to possibly buy more and i did buy more um recently i don't really like to talk about it on twitter anymore because um right now it doesn't matter because the price has gone down but if and when it goes back up to you know twenty thousand a hundred thousand whatever and you're shit chatting about bitcoin on twitter if i'm involved in organized crime i mean i'm definitely going to be searching twitter for who's talking about bitcoin and then i'm going to if i have my hackers that went into target or facebook or the million times that we've all been hacked by now i'll cross-reference the twitter accounts with the addresses and the info that we have about these people and that's who you're going to rob yeah oh well, yeah for sure you know you got to be quiet about that and i'm yeah you have to have so many steps to protect it it's not even funny well no i mean you, you can re- you can protect it like in terms of not being hacked online but like someone could take you to an alley and beat you until you cough up you know your, your... and that's happened yeah, yeah i know that's happened right yeah. and so like you know, you just don't want to be advertising this because Twitter is the easiest search engine to find it. So I, I don't really talk about it anymore. Podcasts, maybe the, I'll get busted for talking about this because there'll be some voice search thing, but that's a little more complex. But the easy thing to do is to cross-reference the hack with Twitter. I think the way to secure it, and I, I don't really want to write about this because, again, I feel like this is not something you should be yakking about, but is that you'd have like your wallet, your Bitcoin wallet, if you want to send more than X and you, you fill in what X is, more than a thousand to somebody, you have to send out a specific extra password or something to send, you know, a hundred thousand or whatever, you know, whatever the above the limit. And that password is you need to send that to, to send the thing. You need to add that. And the thing is though, you also have a distress password that sends it, but it flags whoever you're sending to is somebody who's doing it under duress. Right. Mm-hmm. And also alerts that you're in, in trouble. Sends out a signal. Wow. And whoever's kidnapping you or, or fighting you or making you do this, they need you to send the signal. 
they need you to send this type in something to unload the Bitcoin. And it wow. appears to unload into their account, or it does, because Bitcoin's like a one-way thing. That's but, sick. I didn't never do that. That's right? awesome. But like, they don't know which is your distress password and which is your normal password. It could even right. be like it's the same, but if somebody you know doesn't get a follow-up from you, then it becomes the distress password. How is you that know, not so literally, you, you cannot. You know, it's like you almost can't steal a car these days because they're so like. You right. know, it's not like you can just jack the thing and go. You, it's like they're connected. That people know, like it can track you. It's like it's very hard. It would just become like that, and then nobody would bother to try to steal it. Yeah, that's 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 that's, that's a good idea, right? It, like this this sort yeah, of distress password that that launches out unless you cancel it, or so if somebody like forces you at gunpoint to send your. Bitcoin to them. You right. Know, and you're saying this is just your idea, you're saying to me. Well, I don't know if I'm the only one that's had it, but I thought of it last night. So I decided okay, I would share that's, it. That is really, uh, I, I, I love it. That's, that's amazing. If anything, it should be made into like a TV show right now or something, or at least an episode of one of those right. shows. So it's just TV like you don't, you know, TV now, like if you're going to rob somebody, there's no way you can get them to cough up their goods. It's without, perfect. It's brilliant. There's no way oh, you would ever know that they alerted, whether you got alerted or not. You know, so like there's, you know, going into it, that basically you're fucked if you steal because you could like, they might not know who the account was, but that the next address could get immediately like the police would figure out where they tried to offload it. Now it might be like somewhere in Russia. I mean, I'm not saying it's foolproof, but that's something. The other thing, um, and it maybe people have already thought of it. The other thing I just want to say about it though, just going back to the the question is. The price of Bitcoin is not calculable in terms of earnings, right? When you buy a company, a stock, you're like, all right, well, it made this, you know, Apple grossed this much, this many billions per year, and I've got a share of it, and so my share of those profits is X. You can kind of reduce a company to its earnings for the money that's flowing through, dividends and earnings and, and, and the value of its assets. And so there's actually like a measurable way, it's not perfect, and Companies vary based on the trajectory of them, but that you can, you know, get a stock price. And so, you know, Warren Buffett said in the short term, the stock market's a voting machine. In the long term, it's a weighing machine. And there's actually weights that you can, you know, put on the scale. Um, but with Bitcoin, it doesn't earn money. So you can't just say, oh, no, no, this is so cheap. It's down to 3700 I mean, this is an obvious buy. Look how much money it's making. The assets alone are worth more than the... You know, 80 billion or 100 billion market cap. How can you not buy? You can't say that because there are no assets per se. There's no anchor that tells you like below which this thing is too good of a deal. So the price is really kind of untethered from any sort of reality in terms of that. So when it goes up or it goes down, it doesn't fundamentally mean anything about Bitcoin. It just means it's just totally a voting machine, basically. It's never a weighing machine. But what the actual you know, utility of it and whether it becomes you know, a stand-in for gold, if it becomes a stand-in for dollars and euros, if it becomes a stand-in for you know, real estate deeds and title, I mean, if it becomes sort of like everything or something, that will be because the technology works really well and it solves a huge problem that, um, that we haven't yet solved. And that technology, making it more effective, safer, more secure, easier to use... Is proceeding apace. If you liked it last year at twenty grand, at this time, you gotta love it at thirty-seven hundred. There's nothing that's changed except that the voting has changed. The weighing machine has not changed. The technology is getting better. If you believe that there's a problem that needs to be solved, 
that this solves, then you should be bullish. Don't worry about the thing. But also, don't, in, don't put so much money in it that, you know, if it goes to 500 or 1200 or whatever, that you're, you just got to be able to forget about this for a couple of years. Do you think it'll ever act as a currency? Yes. I mean, this is total speculation, but yes, I think it's going to beat, I think it's going to beat the dollar and the euro and all those things. I don't know how fast that will be. And I hope it's gradual because if it's abrupt, it's going to be a real problem. But yes, I think it's, I think eventually it will. Okay. Cool. Interesting. I, I'm a donkey who bought some at 15. You bought a 50. So I told I, you to buy it at 50, but you only bought like three yeah. grand worth, right? Or something. 1500 yeah, worth. Yeah. 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 You didn't buy yeah, that much. Not, if you really want to learn about this, go to uh, Andreas Antonopoulos' videos. He'll explain it a million times better than me, and he understands it a million times better than me. But I'll just say a simple thing. The problem Bitcoin solves is the problem of trust. If, the thing is, if I'm going to send money to you, if I have 100 bucks in my PayPal account, and I'm going to send you 100 and I'm going to send Kevin Payne 100 or Jeff Erickson 100 well, only one of you can get the 100 because that's all I have in my account. But I could send it three times. It's digital money. It, can send it a thousand times. So what we need is PayPal to debit my account and credit one of your accounts. As soon as it does that, I'm prevented from resending that same digital money that's infinitely replicable. So PayPal is this third party and it sort of verifies everything in our banks, you know, when, when, when it clears. And so that's like why we have this whole financial system is to sort of verify who has what. Once we get into this digital money, we're not carrying around bricks of gold. You know, you need this like third party to be like, yeah, here's who's keeping score. Your bank account, your stock funds, whatever you have is all kept track of by these third parties that we trust that sort of say, oh, no, no, Dalton can buy this house because look, he's got this coming in and the bank records show this. And we have these third parties that create this trust. Problem is these third parties become incredibly powerful and they end up distorting everything, inflating the money. And eventually, if you're Edward Snowden, you spill some secrets, Bank of America or PayPal or whoever could easily just stop letting you use money, right? You have to behave. You're sort of at the behest of these powerful third parties. Mm-hmm. And Bitcoin just gets rid of that. It's a blockchain. Yeah, I love that it's, idea. It's on the ledger. It's, it's permanently recorded. So there's this thing that's replicated on many computers around the world that can't be altered. Mathematical reasons why it can't be altered. The money supply can't be increased. They can't decide, oh, well, Dalton Dildon, you know, you wrote these things on Twitter and we don't like that subversive attitude. Therefore, we're not letting you bank with us. No, it's, it's untouchable by them because it's, it's clear that you have access to this, these funds on the ledger. You can prove it. You don't need permission from a third party. It's permissionless. They can't censor you. The other thing is that I don't know how you feel about this, but when you have excess money, and I know you have so much excess money, um, not from your bets, obviously, but in spite of your bets and your habits of going to these finals games, but what do you do with it? What do you do with your excess money? Myself? I don't yeah. have that what much excess you, money. What are you talking about, Liz? Come on. No, where, uh, where will you invest you, your excess money? You put in index funds? Do you have an investment person who does it for you? It's, uh, I, <laughs> I have most of my money um, sitting in a bank right now. Okay, well, that's very bad. But most people, most sensible people, they invest their money in stocks or bonds or real estate or something. If you have extra money, and so like my friends like always text me like, oh, should I buy some of this stock? I sold my Facebook, luckily, I should sell this. We're like trying all the time to figure out investing this money in these random stupid companies that we don't give a shit about. Why? 
because you can't just leave it in the bank because every year there's a 2% tax on leaving your money in the bank. It's called inflation. could be more than that, actually, in a lot of cases. It's actually more when it comes to real estate. So you're basically forced to invest this money against your will because if you don't, it's just evaporating based on inflation. Bitcoin is fixed supply, can't be inflated. That's another thing. If I earn money and I have extra money, I'm not forced to put it into the stock market. I'm not forced to put it in the bond market. I can like literally just leave it alone, keep it safe, and 10 years later, it'll be worth the same spending power, if not more, than it did when I put it away. What a great thing. All this bullshit investment activity that's generated, oh, buy some index funds. Why do I want to buy index funds? I have to deal with that shit now. I have to pay fees. I have to transact. I have to worry about that shit. Because if I don't, then my money just gets inflated away. So this is another huge thing. To be clear, I, I do have some stock, but I'm curious how much I should have. How much, how much can someone's stock have of their net worth or what percentage of, or whatever? Because uh, well, clearly, in the last, according to you, I'm probably being very wasteful. Well, I, I've sold most of my stocks, but like in the last 20 years, you pretty much wanted to have a lot of stocks. Leaving well, huge yeah. gains on the table, especially in the last 10 years. Massive gains. You know, in real estate, you're, you're leaving. If you didn't own a house in the last 10 years, you're being stolen from. So all the money is, is, that's being printed is going into assets. It's going into the stock market and, and housing. So you're still no, I mean, answer that. What percentage, I'm saying? I mean, it depends what the environment is, right? Like certain environments, you want to have 70, 80% of your money in stocks. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, if you count real estate, then you can split them up. There's other environments, you want to be in cash. And I'm mostly in cash now, but like, I don't know what the hell's going to happen. I, I definitely sold my stuff way too early in May of 2017 and missed a huge extra year of a bull, bull market, but no one times it perfectly. Um, it depends. But the problem with sitting in cash is you can only sit in cash hoping that there's a big drop and then invest in something else. Because if you don't do anything with the cash, the cash is worth less and less. And you're at the mercy of the government just printing more cash like they did in 2008, the last time we had a crisis, and cash is worth less than it was. You know, people say, oh, it hasn't inflated that much. Oh, yeah, well, think about how much cash it took to buy a house in L.A. in 2009 and how much cash it takes to buy a house in L.A. now. Your, your purchasing power got cut in half, basically. And same with stocks. I mean, even two, three years ago, two years ago, a year ago, a year and a half ago, Amazon was worth... You know, went from 1,000 to 2,000. Your, your ability to purchase Amazon stock got cut in half. All the fangs. So all this inflation happened. And if you're sitting on dollars, everyone around you is making money. And you're sitting there with your money deflating. Inflating. Well, sorry, you're inflating. A, well, you're a baller, Liz. And you're talking to me like I'm, I'm one of the same. But man, I just purchased my first home of my life recently in the past few months. So I've been the sucker paying rent the last decade, as you said. And and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm no, but I'm, I was before you know, that way away from that, you know, it's just so, our age, yeah. dude. You, you purchased your house at a younger age than I did. I purchased my first house in 2012. You purchased yours six years later and you're 10 years younger than me. But yep. that's why the millennials got so screwed because there's no like you don't even have to purchase a house. You can just rent. It's fine. But I'm just saying it shouldn't be the case that renting or buying or whatever it is, is this sort of gigantic financial decision that's going to like leave you behind or screw you up. And it's like, we all have to become like almost like 
medical and financial professionals to deal with the environment that, that we're in. You know, it's like we have to know more than, than the professionals. And, and that's unnatural. It should be that if you made a little extra money or you were frugal and didn't waste your money on shit and you'd worked hard, that you would have some actual money that you could just kind of hold off until you wanted to buy something, not money that you felt the need to invest because it was evaporating. So that is another problem that it solves. Yeah, I'm into blowing my money on uh, dinner and, and, and finals games, pretty much uh, these days. But I don't think uh, you would. I don't think you would if uh, if you were if it was Bitcoin and not dollars, though. It's just that everybody has to kind of get has to get rid of this stuff. You got you got to put it towards something, whether it's consumption or you know investment. You can't just sit on the cash itself. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card. Get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cash back, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Yeah, no, I know, I know that people are, use Bitcoin now still, like, uh, they use it as currency to, like, to gamble and stuff and, and purchase over. I know it's sim- very simple, you know, obviously as an online currency. But um, that, uh, yeah, I know those are all interesting takes. I, um, uh, what, what is your, but speaking, you said millennial, that's what I want to just go back to. You said millennial. What is your stance on when a millennial begins? Do you consider me one? I mean, you seem like one of the older, yeah, like the older millennial, like 35-ish. And then the, I don't don't have a definite, you know, it's just people younger than me. People are different. The next, like a firm generation down from me, like the next, not like someone two years younger than me, but someone 10, 12, 15, 20 years younger than me. Those are the millennials in my general view. All right, because the definition says 1981. Say, so like, I barely make it if you go by that. But it sounds like you would you would disagree. So I just want to say before we go to the games, that was brilliant. To, uh, give away your idea there with Bitcoin, and uh, nice of you to give it away freely. But that really was a legit idea. And I, I, I don't know, someone I, it may be Captain Obvious for all I know that someone else might have already had it. But yeah, I don't know. It's pretty pretty good if if not. But um, so last week uh, you did really well against the spread, right? I know we went three and two in, in super contest, but personally you had a good week. 12 and 4. Yeah, I was happy with that. Feeling pretty good. I I saw the lines getting kind of crazy and I went the other way. Yeah. I don't want to say I'm a genius because I made the Packers Cardinals 13 and a half because I really wanted the Packers. <laughs> and then it was only because the public made it 14 that I was forced to take the Cardinals. Same with Chiefs Raiders. I really wanted the Chiefs. I made it 14 and a half on the road. Public made it 15. <laughs> so I was on the Raiders. I didn't want to be on those lines, but I just had to. And I've, I've been saying, like, you don't have to be right. You just have to be a little bit less wrong than the next guy. And I was a little less wrong, and I got credit for those wins. And as is becoming our weekly habit, uh, our Cowboys pick was killed the most uh, in the comments. It would have been killed even more, but it was, you know, the Thursday game, so we didn't have as much time. And it came through, obviously, easily. And, um, yeah, so three and two. So we're, we're actually finishing 
finished finishing the season pretty well in Super Cup. Our overall, you know, record's not not horrible. So no, no, we have that going for it. It's been a good year. I mean, you know, we're not going to win yeah. money because there's so many players, and you got to be really, really good. But yeah, one thing, were, remind me to talk about Room 104 with you at the end of this. We won't do it now, but I I forgot to mention I've been watching that the last couple of weeks. Okay. Um, so yeah, let's get to this week. Then uh, I wrote it down. So uh, Thursday night, uh, Jacksonville uh, getting four at Tennessee. Who do you like, Liz? I made the line three. I, I really like the Kessler, at least in this one game, just didn't turn it over. And if you're the Jaguars, you're built around running and defense. You just cannot have Bortles as your quarterback. It's just the dumbest, illest fit. <laughs> you need an Alex Smith type. You don't need a you don't want a guy who's going to make mistakes and make crazy plays. I made this line three. I think these are roughly equal teams. I don't love that it's Thursday night, short week, but Titans were in a life-or-death battle with the Jets, so they also are coming off that emotional game, and it's a short flight from Jacksonville to Tennessee. It's not like a multi-time zone thing or something, so I took the points. What did you do? I uh, did the same. Jacksonville's defense obviously impressed last week. Kessler just not turning the ball over seems to really matter. Four nets, I could actually see having a, a big game fired up coming off the suspension. Low over under here, so I'll grab the points as well. Um, next up to Sunday, Baltimore getting – it's kind of jumped around, but I think you, you went with six and a half in Kansas City. So I really yeah. wanted to take the Ravens because I like Lamar Jackson. Hopefully, hopefully he's going to play. And I really think Kareem Hunt's absence is going to hurt the Chiefs badly. And I think a lot of these people are not realizing what a key player he is and how good he is. And so I really wanted to take the Chiefs. So I only made this line seven. Seven and a half, I think seven. And I couldn't believe it was six and a half. You know, it's like, well, I, you know, I, I really like Kareem Hunt, so it's not going to be ten like it should be. And I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get the Ravens a seven and a half or something, but six and a half. And just like last week, if, if you're going to go that far, it's in Kansas City this game. I got to take the Chiefs. I mean, there's just no contest between Pat Mahomes and the weapons and whoever the hell's playing for the Ravens. It's just not even close. I know the Ravens' defense is good, but even without Hunt, I think I'm going to lay the wood here. What about you? I went to Ravens here. I don't love it. It opened at nine, and I think in my head we were going to use seven when I when I wrote this down. Obviously, I don't like it as much at six and a half, but uh, this is one of those I don't feel great about, but I'm differing with you on this one. Next up, uh, Colts uh, getting four and a half in Houston. Who do you like? I made this line exactly four and a half, and I've been burned by the Texans every week. I keep expecting them to be mediocre. Oh, yeah. and keep winning. We they, were not beaten yeah, them good. Week. Yeah, we went against them last week. Yeah, that was Brown. a dumb pick. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, well, it, if Antonio Callaway can hold on to the ball, maybe he can cover. But but the Texans, they haven't beaten any good teams. They just keep beating everybody he's yeah. put in front of them. So yeah. I, I took the Colts, but it's very fifty fifty. Yeah, I kind of like getting four and a half here. I mean, the Colts obviously were shut out, which was a su- you know, very surprising. But um, I think I think they bounced back. I could would be wouldn't be surprised at all if they upset them here and won outright. So I kind of like getting the four and a half there. Okay. Um, next, next, uh, Carolina giving one and a half in Cleveland. Who do you like here, list? They're laying one and a half, right? Uh, sorry, yes, Lane giving. Yes, my bad. Yes, they're the favorites. Uh, in, so, in I mean, I made this line Panthers plus three. I thought these were equal teams. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'm not surprised. Yeah, no, I, I like I like the Browns. I just don't like the fact that the the Panthers have lo- have lost four in a row. I don't love that at all. Otherwise, I would probably be fighting for Cleveland. I could still see it if you wanted to. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised you went that that way. They're they're pretty good. Obviously, it looked bad last week, but Mayfield still finished with like an impressive white gate. Just some ugly, ugly picks. So with Kitchens going there, and yeah, Cleveland at home. Who's Carolina? I mean, they're not any good, especially on the road. Yeah, Carolina's not a good team. They're an average team. So are the Browns. Uh, I, I'm. I could use it. Just it, this is a value play to me. I could see Carolina turning around. It's a very low spread. Right. That's yeah. Yeah. And and I feel a little contrarian with this one. It's kind of like that Dolphins Bills last week. We actually covered barely on that, but it was like you get that contrarian feeling of like, well, you know, I don't know. I, I could consider it. It's a good value. It should. I think it should be plus three, at least two right. and a half. I I guess that the line would be two and a half plus two and a half, not minus one and a half. Right. I agree. Um, Falcons uh, getting five and a half in Green Bay. Maybe I'm just the sucker here, but I just I, I think I made it my best bet when I sent it in to you. Yeah, I made it my best bet. Just going with the Mike McCarthy factor here. Simple as that. Obviously, Atlanta could probably put up some points, and Green Bay is coming off the ugliest game. I mean, I, I laid the wood last week. I, I used them in a um, in a in a parlay in which they just needed to win. Um, really ugly stuff. I mean, just, just bad. So, um, but I think they go back, Aaron Jones gets 20 plus touches and they go crazy here when it doesn't matter to anyone other than those who have gambled on in, on this game. Yeah. I, I almost made this my best bet. I made it my second best bet. I set the line at seven and a half. I would needed at least seven and a half, if not eight to take the Falcons here. The Falcons and Packers are equal teams in my opinion. It's just that the McCarthy factor is going to unleash. I think it's just going to unleash everything. Like I think Rogers is going to be ridiculous. Some of the other receivers are going to get involved. They're going to send a message to like, they're going to say, look, it's not we who are underachieving. It's that douchebag that was ruining us. I think they're going to go crazy. It's narrative street, but I'm taking this one all the way it down. Is so. de- it's definitely a narrative street, but I'm with you. So we're for sure using the Packers. This for week sure. In the, in the contest. All right. Next up, New Orleans is favored by eight in Tampa Bay. What you got, Liz? I made a seven and a half, so I like the Bucks. The Saints are a good team, but as you saw last week, they're not magic. I don't know what the hell people are thinking, seven and a half in Dallas. And this would be, you know, 14 in New Orleans. The Bucks defense has played a little bit better of late, and Winston's taking care of the ball. And they still have a good offense. I just think this is too much, not by a lot, but by a little. So I'm taking the Bucks. Yeah, I'm with you here. I actually jumped out and like, whoa, that's a lot of points, and I felt confident. But the more I think about it, I'm like, ah, the Saints probably will bounce back. But um, so, so the only difference there being I'm not going to fight to use them. I'm with you. It's kind of close. But definitely taking the points here. Um, Winston, he is due for a couple turnover games is one thing I worry about. And this should be a fun fantasy game over under 56 points. Uh, but I'm with you. I, I took the points. Game opened at 10, down to 8 now. You and I have um, the exact next- same picks except for three, by the way, this week. I'm just looking. Interesting. All right. Some weeks we're, uh, we're, we're way different, and this one's about as close as it gets. All right. Next up, Jets getting three and a half in Buffalo. I, I feel like this is a contrarian one myself. Um, who, who did you go with? I took the Bills. I, I, I don't feel great about it. I mean, you'd think that the Jets were definitely contrarian because they're only getting three and a half. They got blown out at home by the Bills. Oh, see, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, okay, maybe you're right. I just feel like giving more than the three, it'd be contrarian to lay, to lay the wood with a team like the Bills. But you're right. What, what, who wants any of these teams? They're both ugly. You're right. That's why I said, okay, you're, you're right. I, I think and, the Bills are the, are, the, are the way here because their defense has been so, so good. But but who knows? They're obviously 
ugly. And, and Josh Allen, you're relying on the rushing yards. That's great for fantasy, but who knows? It could still, you know, that, that could be ugly on offense, that side of the ball too. Yeah, I, I took the Bills, but I could see a contrarian Jets, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not taking yeah. the Jets out of any sort of contrarian principle. I really All hope right, the so, Jets get McCarthy next year. That would crack me up so much. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, it would. Uh, next, Patriots minus seven and a half in Miami. This is actually, I, I took Miami here, and this is the one I feel the the, the least good about as, as time goes by more and more. I'm regretting taking the Dolphins on this one. Who'd you go with? I went with the Dolphins pretty strongly. I made this line five and a half. It's more than seven. The Dolphins tend to play the Patriots pretty tough at least once a year, usually I think in Miami. Tannehill looks healthy. I think Tannehill is like, you know, your sort of garden variety. He'd be fine as a rental on a good team for a year. He's not a good quarterback. He's not going to win for you, but he's okay. He's mobile. I think it's too much. The Patriots aren't that good. I mean, the Vikings were just idiots the way they played last week, but Patriots are well coached. They don't make mistakes, but Gronk is not himself. Josh Gordon is not lighting the league on fire. Mm -hmm. Julian Edelman is just a guy. Tony Michelle's fine, but he's just a guy. The call good plays. The defense is decent secondary, but it's not like the shutdown defense. Patriots just aren't that good. It's certainly outside, uh, away from home, too. They're, they're far more vulnerable. But I, and I just don't know what to make of the Dolphins. I just have no clue. But um, anyway, yeah, so I mean, I did take the Dolphins. So if you feel strongly, that's a maybe for me if you, if you want to, do, to include them. It just it never pays to go against the Pats. Like you should almost just use the Pats every week in these contests and not ever just never question it. Right? Yeah. No, I, I totally hear you. Um, next up, your Giants minus three and a half in Washington. This line opened at minus one Washington. So what? Mark Sanchez is worth four and a half points. That's pretty wild, man. Well, it's four and a half low, lower than uh, Colt McCoy. We're not right. talking about, you know, down from Aaron Rodgers or something like that. This is down yeah. from an already scrub. Yeah, back up. Yeah. When I looked at this line Tuesday morning, when I first looked at the lines, it was the line was Redskins minus, not one, one and a half. And I made this line Giants minus three. I made my own line before I looked. And I was like, oh, love the Giants this week. They're, they're getting a point and a half against Sanchez. That's ridiculous. I made him a three-point favorite. And then I looked when I was going to write B in the book, and it was three and a half. I was like, holy shit, man. Like This this game I liked, I got to actually switch. So I'm taking the Redskins, man. The, the Redskins' defense is good. They're at home. The Giants still have Eli. Landon Collins out for the year. I think the Giants probably win, but I can't lay three and a half on the road. Yeah, it's such a change. I'm with you. Um, I took Washington in the points. It's uh, I think your Giants probably win, but it might only just be by three. So I don't know. Sanchez at least will get into What do you think about this idea? Now. The Redskins... They already signed Reuben Foster. They signed Kareem Hunt, and then they signed Kaepernick. They just go all in. Yeah, I don't know. Those are kind of um, – it's like opposite. And Snyder said no, not a chance with Kaepernick. So I don't know. You, you need to think of another QB, I think. But uh, it is – it does seem like uh, like they are going after like – everyone made the joke about Hunt. But, yeah, no, they went out of their way. No, but I mean, Kaepernick. obviously Kaepernick, know, is, <laughs> Kaepernick is the opposite in the sense that – well, not the opposite, but it's like it's a very different reason why he's the pariah. Right. But if you if you really don't give a fuck about what people think, just right. get everybody that gets you right. in trouble. Right. Yeah. Well, you you know they're on their third string quarterback, Mark Sanchez. I mean, it's uh, one would think he would get a tryout, but uh, that is not the case. No, dude, you understand? He doesn't fit their system, system though. Yeah. He exactly. He doesn't exactly fit their system. 
He does not fit their system. Um, you're right. Uh, next up, uh, my 49ers, four and a half point dogs at home against the Broncos. Uh, I, I have the Broncos submitted to you, and Emmanuel Sanders has since torn his Achilles. I don't know. I, I think I, I gave five and a half on the stat picks, probably. It's five and I'm a half line we had. Yeah. yeah, I'm giving the wrong line. It actually moved a whole point because of him. Wow. Anyway, so what do you make of this mess? Um, Broncos are on the road for the second straight week. And the Niners, even though they got killed by Seattle, they, they showed some fight. They moved the ball well. Nick Mullins looked okay. Uh, what's his name? Looked pretty good. Uh, Dante Pettis. And I just, I don't, I think this is one where, I think the Niners are one of those teams that they're not going to totally quit. So I, I think they're going to show up. It's going to be a tough game. And I took the points. I don't love it, but I took the points. Yeah, interesting week to use Dante Pettis in, in DFS or whatever, or fantasy, because Chris Harris just, you know, went uh, went down last week. It's slot, or that could help uh, help help the the Niners situation there. I don't love it either. I, like I said, I took the Broncos before that injury with Sanders, but, but Cortland Sutton in your fantasy lineup, but that's all I have on that. I hope the Niners lose as far as draft picks. Give me Nick Bosa, all the Nick Bosa. Um, next up, Chargers giving 14 at home against the Bengals. I say this is a trap game for the Chargers, what, in between, what, at Pittsburgh and at KC. But, man, this Bengals team is so, so bad. And this Chargers team is so, so good. So, what do you like, Liz? I made this line 20 and a half when I made my own lines. Oh, and, man. And I thought the line would be 19 and a half, which is, means I was off base. I mean, I can make the line whatever I think it's right, but to think it would actually be 19 and a half. I, don't, I think Cincinnati is the worst team in football. I mean, I don't really even see a case for anybody else. You have this guy, Jeff Driscoll. He's not even supposed to be in the league. And you have a defense that's given, you know, was on pace for like the most yardage given up in the league. And then you lose AJ green also. I mean, and then you got to go to two Los Angeles across the country, a long trip. And you got to face a team that was already dominant on both sides. And then just got like peak Joey Bosa back. Who's gotten three sacks his last two games. I mean, I like Melvin Gordon is, you know, like, I think he's a, a difference maker, but in this game, it's not going to matter. I, I, I think the char- I have this thirty-four to nine. I don't see Bengals scoring. I don't see them stopping the Chargers. This is okay. the game where it's one of those games where the Chargers aren't considered like the Saints or the Rams or the Chiefs, and the Bengals aren't considered like the Raiders or the Cardinals or the Jets. But both of those are that and more, and it's kind of sneaky. Only fourteen. This should be. You know, the Chiefs were getting were laying 15 on the road. This is one of those that should be like that, and it, and people for some reason don't realize it. Yeah, I mean, all that makes sense. Other than it's just the Chargers, the team I typically don't love laying a bunch of points. They just covered though. What was it against the Cardinals? Whatever. So okay, we're using that one for sure. But what that take, I mean, that's a no brainer. It's my best bet. Um, I, I thought about using the Packers. So the narrative street was one, but I just think this one is like maybe they get their half acid, but. They, you know, say whatever you want about, what's his name, Anthony Lynn. He's made some boneheaded, like, down-distance things, but that team has pretty much showed up every game. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, there's yeah, not a lot of that Chargers. They had that implosion against Denver, but Denver's tough, and they should have closed it out. But he hasn't, he's not great with, like, the down-and-distance and game situation stuff, but that team is not soft. They, they no. came back in Pittsburgh. They were down 23-7 at the half. So I yeah, but whatever the stat was, there were two hundred twenty uh, oh and two ties, or whatever two hundred twenty and oh up sixteen at home. The yep. Steelers up fourteen at home. They never blown a lead like this. Yeah, 
That's our, uh, what's the next one? Um, I'm with you. They're, they're good. So we'll, we'll definitely use that. So two slam dunks. Um, next game, uh, Detroit getting two and a half in Arizona. Would you like it? La- laying two and a half in Arizona. Getting, yes, laying two and a half. My bad. And, I, you know, at first I made it Lions plus three. I was like two doormats, one's on the road. Then I thought, nah, you know, Stafford, as much as I crap on him, he's better than Josh Rosen. So I made it a pick him. But still wasn't enough. They're, they're laying two and a half. I got a contrarian Lions feeling, but I'm not going to bet it. I'm taking the Cardinals. Yeah, I said the wrong way, laying, giving, or whatever, because I felt like the, the Cardinals should have been favored in this game. So, yeah, it's going to be really boring. Is there a worse team to watch right now than Detroit? And even like Galladay is another tough matchup with Patrick Peterson. No Christian Kirk. I mean, I guess Fitzgerald. Uh, it's, it's, it's bad. It's going to be a boring game, but give me the Cardinals. I would have considered using them if you felt strongly. But, I mean, it's, I don't know. I don't really want to back Arizona coming off a big win either. So Exactly. Um, and another one, Philly, uh, three-and-a-half-point dog in Dallas. You got a feel there? This is exactly where I made the line, three-and-a-half. Uh, and initially I wanted to use the Cowboys. So I think the Cowboys are good. But coming off that Saints win, kind of full of themselves. The Eagles, I just think the Eagles suck. But I just think this is going to be close. So I – Picked the Cowboys to win by three, and I took the Eagles. But I, I don't – this is really a game I would stay away from. Totally agree with you. Stay away, actually switch. This and the Monday night game, I ended up taking the points just because of that extra half point instead of the three. So with you on the Eagles, but certainly don't feel, feel strongly. Um, next up, the uh, Steelers favored by 10.5 in Oaktown. You have a, yeah. you have a hot I take? made this line 9.5. Steelers – they barely won in Jacksonville in a really rough physical game. They lost in Denver, and they lost at home to the Chargers. And now they got to travel again, and they're not as good on the road to Oakland. I, you know, the Steelers are such a better team, but I made it twenty-seven seventeen, and it's ten and a half. So I took the Raiders. Yeah, they, I mean, I guess Pittsburgh could bounce back after last week, and Big Ben's actually, I think, scored more fantasy points on the road than at home this year. But I'm holding my nose and taking Oakland too. Jalen Samuels may have a big game. Um, he's causing quite a stir for us at Yahoo because he's tight end eligible. Have you seen that? Um, where would you yeah. rank Jalen Samuels this week among tight ends list? I, I don't have to look at the list, but probably like fourth or something. I don't, pretty high. Yeah, I think I only put Ertz and Kelsey ahead of him. I put him right ahead of Ebron, but right there, three, three or four, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so. the upside is so much bigger than almost anybody yeah. else. So. Yeah, so that, I mean, I get a lot of flack for that. But he had more catches and rushes at NC State. Well, I don't know why. It's just funny that he, he shouldn't have been from the begin with, but he was all season. And now, of course, it just gets highlighted, right? No. The fantasy playoffs, you know. I mean, of course that happened. Well, there, there's really nothing you can do now, right? The thing to do would not would have been to, like, vet that. But he was right. just some yeah, scrub so cool. and nobody cared. Once you have him all year, you can't, you can't switch it to midstream. There's nothing, there's nothing you can do. That was a conclusion as far as taking it away. Never, that would have been unprecedented. No, no, no. That would have been a disastrous decision. Because there are definitely people out there who were stashing him and used fab and stuff, for sure. Yeah, they, used, um, they relied on it. You can't take it away. You can never take it away. All right, so the, uh, the Sunday night flex game is the Rams giving three in Chicago. Should be a pretty good game. Be like, I made it a pick em with Trubisky, and it looks like Trubisky practiced in full today, so that's really good news. I think the Bears, I don't think the Rams are that good anymore. I look at their team, I'm like, you look. it's like they have Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, and Todd Gurley. I wouldn't really say those are like elite weapons. I mean, Gurley's a great running back. Cooks is really good, but he's small. 
He seems to get concussed every few games. And then, you know, Woods is like a good possession, you know, a good like kind of Doug Baldwin type maybe, but like it is not like a loaded offense the way the Chiefs. I would say he couldn't separate himself in Buffalo, but he was like a group of five guys who did separate themselves after they left. But but yeah, I um I, I, I hear you. I I pers- I actually wanted to fade the Rams offense right now, but I kind of just really like their D in this matchup. But if Trubisky suits up, maybe that's that I'm wrong on that, but that's why I laid the point. So this is actually one I, I, I liked the least this this right. week. So I, I hear I hear what you're saying. It, I, I do hear what you're saying. I mean it's like Aaron Donald's really, really good and Sue is still pretty good, but you know, maybe Aqib Talib is back, and he's getting older, and he's coming off an injury, and Peters has been mediocre. You know, the defense is—it's got playmakers that are good, but it's not a dominant defense. Maybe they will eventually get back to that if Talib is really locking people down. But yeah, I, I think Trubisky's I think, I mobile. Think the line, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be a big difference. Okay, yeah, Trubisky. Then then that would be would play into my if I'm going to bet actually Sunday. Night. I have a, I have to pick him in Chicago with with Trubisky personally. Okay, fair enough. Um, as I said, I switched this one. I originally had Seattle, thought about it, and then especially at three and a half, went over to to Minnesota, who really was ugly last week. Terrible. Like, cousins. I mean, I had Adam Thielen in DFS. I know, as you said last week, it's funny to talk about too. So it never goes the way it's supposed to go. Believe me, I get that. But the, the Patriots have had allowed literally the most fantasy points to the slot over the past eight weeks. The most. And Diggs was out there. You know, he was out there. He required Stephon Gilmore's, uh, you know, his attention. And then Thielen goes out there and just has, like, the worst game. And, and, and Cousins is, is doing check downs down whatever, double digits or whatever. It's just very frustrating. Yeah, it was, it was unwatchable. I was like, what are you doing? And fourth down and 11, they threw, like, a four-yard pass and tried to get, like, whoever it was, Treadwell or Aldrick Robinson to make, like, a – eight-yard run after the catch, which, of course, he didn't come close. What are they even doing? I, I get that the Patriots are smart about, like, taking guys away and giving you the easy stuff that's not helping you, but come on, this isn't the 2000 Ravens. you got to be able to move the ball against the Patriots, and yeah. uh, they really just couldn't. So, I don't know. I think the Patriots outsmarted them and was in New England, but this Seattle's not, you know, any picnic to play at. But I think the Vikings no. are the number two team in the league against the run. And so I think that's going to make it harder for Seattle to do what they want to do, which is just pound the ball. And Russell Wilson's great, but he's partly the reason he's great this year is because it's just like when you're running for like five yards carry every play, it's like a lot easier to be quarterback. I think that uh, the Vikings will get after Wilson and they'll stuff the run and they'll just make it a lot harder on them. And then on the other side of the ball, their offensive line kind of sucks and Seattle will make some plays, but I think the Vikings, you know, will get Diggs and Thielen going and, Maybe Cook. So I, I think this is kind of a 50-50 game. Um, I'm with you there. And I never or rarely bet over-unders, but I like the under if it's 45-and-a-half there, the more I think about it, because Seattle just runs so slowly and their defense is outdoors. Um, I like the under on that. But um, So we have to come up with five uh, Chargers, Packers, slam dunks. Um, did any any jump out at you? Those were the two, and those are the two I mentioned in, in the column that I really okay. like the best. I I will um, – I'll actually – I'm going to fight for the Colts if it's four and a half against the, that team. The, the Houston is one eight in a row. Colts coming off a shutout. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to fight for that one. So I, I, I say right. – I've been just that giving one. away money against the Texans every week, but fine. Yeah. You can have that one. Again. Okay. And then uh, other ones I just I'll, I'll take the I'll take the Dolphins. I, I was going to say the other I marked is that I thought you liked the Dolphins. I, I was going to – okay. I mean, so, I, yeah, again – you, you, Giving away you, money to the Texans and giving away money to Belichick. All right. Okay. But I, the Dolphins seems like a big line. 
So we okay. just need one more. Yeah, we, I wrote down a maybe on the Browns, but um, I'm so sick of losing money with the Browns. Yeah, okay. I'm so sick of it. That's when uh, you should stick with it. But I, I could see the Cardinals, but yeah, oh, I'll, I'll be okay with that. I'll be okay. Nah. No, I can see the Niners, the, the Cardinals, and I can see the you don't Bucks. Want to go against your, yeah, the Bucks. I kind of like, yeah, Bucks would be contrarian. I like Bucks. I'd say Bucks of those. All right, let's do Bucks the Bucks. Are Card- Bucks or let's, Cardinals? No, not the Cardinals. The, the Bucks. All right. I, th- I think the Saints, you know how they got beat up by Dallas? I think sometimes these great teams, they go on these runs and they go through these like tough periods. You know, like they, they'll win, but they'll. They'll get beat, and everyone will expect them to blow out the next team, and it's like, oh, wait, they're a little out of sync for a couple games. Yeah, no, Godwin is really, really good, by the way. Like, you look at the advanced metric stuff, and he's like, I, I think, I, where do I have him? I, I ranked him 15th in my wide receivers this, this week. He's, he's legit. I hope Djax doesn't play. And, um, yeah, Tampa Bay's been playing slightly better defense. Again, all New Orleans outdoors. I don't know. That's a big, big line, divisional game. That's a massive line. I mean, it'll probably will look dumb. Once yeah, we'll lose thirty-seven to seventeen, and we'll be like, "Yeah, that was great." Ways. Um, oh, by oh, this is a rematch. Oh man, I'm just realizing this is a rematch of Week One. Um, Where the by, Bucks uh, won. Survivor. Survivor. Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Um, anyway, yeah. So uh, okay, I'm down with that. Making that the fifth. So Colts, Packers, Bucks, Dolphins, and, and Chargers. Barring any um, crazy uh, change in the lines, uh, good with me. Bucks, um, couple Packers, uh, Dolphins. Colts and Chargers done. All right, let's do it. I mean, you know, I kind of want to just go four and one this week, and then we'll make money in the final weeks by going fifteen and zero. In the end of the year, like, I'd like to just have a good record, even if we don't end up finishing the money. Yeah, for sure. No, I, let's keep it up. Uh, let's keep it going. I, I agree. Um, I just booked my um, uh, hotel room for the FSTA conference uh, in January. You don't happen to be going to that in Tampa, are you, List? No, hell no. No, okay. Well, I'm not going to see you in Vegas in July, so I was hoping there's nope. a chance. To leave people well, going. Go to, go to, so. go to uh, do the NFFC in New York in March. Yeah. BC. Okay. That's so much. Yeah. So much. Yeah. Okay. That would be. Real fun. man does that, that shit. Real man goes to New York. Yeah. No, that would be that would be fun. But um, actually, I'm going to be. I'm also going to be at the FSTA in New York. Why are you going to the Tampa one? Uh, that's that's just the winter conference one. That's one good one. I don't know. That's the, that's where all. No, but, why, but why aren't you going to the New York one in June? Because this one's sooner is why I'm asking you about that. I might go to that one as well. I'm go to sure. go I'm to the New York one in June. one in June. I'll be there. I'll be there for sure. You will be that one in June. Okay. Well, I'll yeah, be I'm definitely. I'm, it's like I have to show. I you know I moved to Portugal, but I told the guys I'll do one of those FSTAs a year. So I was in Minneapolis last year. I'll be in uh, New York this year. Gotcha. Well, I was hoping it'd be the winter conference in Tampa, but uh, no such luck, apparently. You're not going to no one's going to. There's no reason to go to Tampa, dude. <laughs> speaking of hotel rooms, list, you said to bring up room 104, so go, go, go at it. Well, no, I, it's okay. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's kind of clever, like the twists in each one. You never really, you try to figure out what's coming. Uh, Did you start with season like, one, or are you just picking up season two? I, I, I saw the, the couple episodes of season two, and then I saw, and then we were kind of going back through season one. I haven't watched all of them yet. I thought the the uh, the maid one was pretty scary, and not the maid. I mean, the, the uh, babysitter one was pretty scary. Mm-hmm. When the and, babysitter uh, comes, 
Right. Which, uh, which season? Which that, I think that was season one, I think. That's season one. Yeah, that's Yeah, I saw the other one where the guy was accusing the guy of teleporting. Oh, yeah, yeah, the babysitter. The first one. Yeah, yeah, it's the first one. Yeah, the babysitter with Ralphie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ralphie, yeah. That was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the one where, yeah. the, you know, the guy accuses him of teleporting. That was all right. Yeah. They're like all like clever. That is a Dalton thing, man. I love things like that. That's just right up my alley. The, 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 uh, I mean, you just ruined it there. But I mean, uh, with the guy from the office, I mean, I, I kind of ruined it. But um, you never know it to the end there. But I, um, I, I don't know. That's very clever. I like that. But they're very different. I mean, it's anthrop- anthropology, and um, and it's, so they're they're each different. It's kind of like a little Twilight Zone esque, and some is a little sci fi it's more than the others. But it's not as good as um, Black Mirror. But I'm glad you checked it out. And some obviously it's hit and miss. I mean, some are much better than others. Yeah, just like Black Mirror, some are a lot better than others. It's watchable. It's fine. It's like it's. I'd say it's better than fine. It's decent. I would say it's decent. All right, cool. All right, glad you checked it out. And uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's certainly not like must watch. Great. And it's. it's yeah. By the way, it's crisp. It's like twenty twenty five minutes, and it's showtime. So so real quick, and you can just read the description, and if it interests I, you or not. But I, I kind of like, like the one. I have to say, even though there are a little surprises, I kind of like the one with that uh, Indian guy who was like writing his novel. Yeah, that a, was. So, so you're I actually up. like I actually like that one. I actually thought that was pretty uh, interesting, as like a little yeah. vignette about things. Yeah, that's when we you mean where he's talking to his mom about his book. Yeah, right? he's talking to his mom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. I know that. And it was good. driving me they're... crazy for like the first ten minutes. I was like, I can't watch this anymore. I cannot take this. It's like too frustrating. I could not take it. Oh, that specific one, you mean? Yeah, because you remember he's trying to get her to like do the stuff, oh, and like okay. it's. Just, yeah. Everyone's had that experience, you know, it's just such, so, so frustrating. That would be my mom right now. Exactly. My mom turned 75 years old last week, by the way. So happy birthday to Mrs. Del Don. Happy birthday to oh. Mrs. Del Don. And thank you for so all the payments to Rotowire and SiriusXM that you give us to have this your son on and pretend like he's actually invited yeah, on. Yeah, she has continued to do so. Um, a couple of just random things I want to throw at you. This is uh, one of our longer podcasts. Um, but... Uh, did you see, uh, I was looking up, um, I've told you this before, but MBS has a $450 million Leonardo da Vinci painting, and um, it's reportedly lost. He lost it. It's the world's most expensive painting, and if you Google it, um, he, uh, it is currently unknown, its whereabouts, which I found quite, yeah. quite, quite funny. Um, and uh, so, so things in the news, just I don't know if, if you have anything to comment on any of these things, if, if nothing, then, then just move on, but... The Neil deGrasse Tyson issue, uh, Michael Avenatti, and uh, Michael Cohen's plea deal. Do you have any any sort of opinion on any of that stuff in the news this past week? Um, I just think a lot of those sort of moralizing guys end up being like the worst douchebags of all. I'm not surprised, you know, that they all have skeletons in their closet or did some screwed up thing. I don't know about Michael Cohen. You know, he's obviously a scumbag. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what that that's going to amount to. I, I'm pretty much like. I, it's hard for me to imagine that the crazy dirt on Trump, it's just coming next week. They've got the blockbuster. Did, did you see the, uh, the Guardian? The, you know, it's like the New York Times. It's basically like that version of it in the UK. Huge paper. They reported that uh, Julian Assange met with Paul Manafort while Manafort was uh, representing Trump, you know, was Trump's campaign manager. And it would have been sort of a huge piece of evidence that there was collusion because... It was obviously WikiLeaks that published the emails that the Russians had allegedly hacked. And if Manafort had somehow coordinated any of that, that would have been a a big deal. And so everybody was breathlessly retweeting this thing. And it turns out that not only was Manafort not, there's no record of him ever 
uh, entering the Ecuadorian embassy, which is where Assange was. There's no video footage that's been produced of him being there. And London is like almost total surveillance state. There's cameras on every block. Right, right, right. And so like it was just some unnamed source that was uncorroborated and the Guardian immediately like changed the wording to be like sources say or this would be this would mean this and this you know they they softened it but they never retracted it and it's been a week now and not a single other news outlet has confirmed followed up you know been able to confirm anything and even people who hate Assange and believe in the Russia conspiracy are like this is a, a bad story and the Guardian has right, not retracted right. it and the editor Greenwald is like Glenn Greenwald is always like. Uh, pestering the editors and being like, "Hey, do you still stand by this? Like, what what's the deal? You know, it's been a week and nobody's confirmed it. You haven't produced any evidence. This is like a huge story if it were true." And they just are stonewalling. They're not saying anything. And you know, and Greenwald's been tweeting about like, "Well, oh, you know, I guess these media outlets really hate the term fake news, and it's so unfair." But they basically published this giant piece of fake news and got busted. And they're just kind of ignoring it. They're just leaving it out there. And the the th- his thesis is that, like, if you publish about people like Assange or about Trump or about unpopular figures in the, you know, news media, it's just more profitable to publish this stuff Anything. true or false. True or false, publish it. Whether it's true, that's great. If it's true, if it turns out not to be true, that's a little embarrassing. But people just want to hear it. It's just become this marketplace of please the reader, give them what they already want to hear, what they already think they know. And if the stuff doesn't get, conf- it, you know, some of it's true, some of it's not true. And if it's not true, just forget about it and move on and publish the next thing. It's like very messed up. And so that, that is a huge, huge thing. And that's the Guardian. That's like the New York Times. That's a, a major, supposedly very reputable paper. Yeah, no, I saw that Assange stuff in the news. Um, yeah, no, that I, I agree with that, and it and it does seem that to, to certainly be the case with the news, and it's been that way, unfortunately, seemingly for a while now. What about if those if the Tyson allegations? Just circling back to that, if those are true, that just seems pretty. I, I don't pretty know what the specifics are argument. of it, but that guy always seemed to me a little bit like a douche. I mean, that's, that doesn't mean you're going to be a predator. There's like two. There's different ways to be a douche. You could be like a, you know, like a moralizing explainer about everything. But I don't even know what he did. Right. So what did he do? Did he do anything really bad? He had um, some. Yeah, I mean, one of one of the accusations is, is very serious. But it, it, I don't know how 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 truthful they are and, and, and what he's going to actually get charged with. But um, but they're all uh, they're all not 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 flattering. And um, it would just be seemingly with him. But as you say, sometimes it's just it's those people that you would you know the people that put on the the face and obviously Michael Alvinati or whatever. He was going to be supposedly the next president or whatever. And that was just that, that one dude disaster. never had a chance. One disaster after another with him. That dude never um, had a chance. All right. Yeah, clearly. All right, man. Um, that's, that's all. That's all I got for this week. We're, I mean, we're running long here, so we better cut it out. Here. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it's going to be a, good, this is going to be stuff, a beast let's... to edit. Yeah, for sure, man. Good stuff. Let's, let's uh, all right, man. go. On, Take it easy. Four and one this week. <laughs>